welcome back to another episode of BFF, Black Fat Fashion. I'm your host, Ayana Ishmael, and on BFF, we'll be discussing personal and career journeys at a crossroad between being Black, fat, into fashion, or if you're like me, some resemblance of all three. Today, I'm joined by Florida A&M University alumna, Robin Moat. Robin is a Brooklyn-based editor, writer, producer, and on-camera host with five plus years of experience within the editorial startup and fashion space. And she's currently a staff writer at OK Player. Hey everyone, as I said, I'm here with Robin. So first, I kind of want you to just say a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and how you grew up. Yeah, sure. Hi, everyone. Um, I've been told I have a voice for radio and podcasting, so this is going to be a fun little ride. Um, But yeah, uh, originally, I'm from Orlando, Florida. And growing up, I was a creative kid. Like, I was always drawing. I was always wearing crazy clothes. And originally, my dad's family is from Jamaica. And it's kind of funny, like, my nickname was Ragamuffin. So I was like, always wearing like crazy things. Like, I would go to New York every summer and get like cool sneakers from Jamaica Ave with my twin sister. And I would always bring them back down to Florida. And people would be like, Oh, my God, like, where did you get those? Those are so cool. So like, I was just like a really creative and eccentric kid. I also like wrote poetry for a while. Um, I was always in my room reading, um, whether that was like Harry Potter or whatever cool books were like trendy at the time. And so um, I would say like it was probably around like high school that I started kind of realizing that writing was something that I could do full time. And also growing up, I was always reading magazines like Teen Vogue um, and other magazines like Essence. Um, I remember Suede even being a thing, which was like a black magazine that doesn't exist right now. Um, I remember Loving Vibe, XXL. Of course, you know, Ebony and Essence and Jet were things that I read as a kid. So I would just say, like, when I was younger, I honestly didn't even realize that being a stylist or just, like, anything in the fashion industry was, like, a full-time job. I just, I didn't even realize what a masthead was, like, throughout my young life, like, in middle school. I kind of began understanding once I got to high school. And so when I applied to FAMU, I just knew that they had like a very strong journalism program and so when I got to FAMU I went ahead and decided to be a pre-journalism major and so that's how I kind of basically started taking writing seriously just from like being a creative kid always writing like it's so funny like I have diaries from like middle school elementary school and (laughs) high school like I was always documenting my life and so everyone in my family was just always really encouraging just like saying like yeah like you're a great writer. Like I've always heard that since I was a kid. And so choosing to go to FAMU was just me like deciding like, okay, like journalism and writing was going to be a thing that I was going to do full time, like upon graduation. Um, And yeah, I hope that answered. (laughs) (laughs) It was definitely. And so once you got to FAMU, not only just journalism wise, but what was it like going to FAMU? I love hearing that kind of perspective as a current FAMU student. (laughs) FAMU was Honestly, like, I know that people believe that Howard is, like, a utopia for Black kids and, like, creatives, but FAMU was that for me, and I 
really only started considering that considering it that after I read Ta-Nehisi's book and he described Howard as like the Mecca. I really feel like FAMU is the Mecca for the South. Like before I went to FAMU, I kind of thought that I was just like this weird eccentric black girl. Yeah. <laughs> it's mo- it's mainly because I was just always interested in things that like none of my friends were kind of interested in. Like I was always really into fashion, but I was also into music a lot. And so when I got to FAMU, I was just like, oh my gosh, like there's weird black people too. <laughs> like I thought, that, I thought that there, it was just like weird white people. I like, I didn't realize that there were weird black people too. And so that was such a refreshing thing for me was finding my tribe. And I think that that's the best thing about FAMU. Like I found my tribe um, and like within the journalism program, it was so crazy. Like I met people my first week of school that I'm still friends with to this day. And um, the journalism program was definitely difficult, but I definitely think it prepared me for where I'm at right now. And I just, I loved being like in a black environment because growing up in Orlando, I lived in the suburbs and because of how the schooling is here, my parents always wanted us to go to like the best schools. And so Unfortunately, in Orlando, that means that your school may not be diverse. So a lot of my schooling, um, it wasn't really like super diverse in my classrooms. Like even if the population of my school was diverse, like if I was taking an AP class or like a higher level class, like I might be one of the only black kids in the class. And so going to FAMU really opened my eyes to like understanding like there's different classes of Black people, there's different types of Black people, and I think that it really opened my eyes up a lot, and um, within the journalism program, which was rigorous, and you know, I joined Journey, where I was a stylist, Um, I also wrote for the FAMU, and of course, wrote for Journey, and the professors were really hard on us, but I really appreciate them, and I really it doesn't hit me and it didn't hit me until probably maybe a few years in when I decided to move to New York, I understood like a lot of what they were trying to pass down to us um, in terms of just like having that drive and being passionate about what, whatever it is that you want to do in journalism, like let that drive you. And so I think that that's also another takeaway that I have from FAMU. Mm -hmm. And do you feel like um, working for a journey and the FAMU and kind of prepared you to go into the industry and like how were you able to like utilize student media yeah a hundred percent um i would say one for journey uh like we've already kind of touched on this previously but because i had some of my peers were like the editor-in-chief and during my time contributing to the publication journey like i learned that one it's okay to be friends with colleagues but also I learned that we have to kind of network like amongst our ranks. Like we really have to embrace the people that you're working side by side. And I think that's definitely one thing that I learned, like being on staff at Journey and also being on staff at the FAMUN. Um, and then also in terms of being like dedicated and really working hard, like there were nights where like, when I was styling for Journey, like I remember one of my friends, Morgan, like I didn't have a car and she was editor-in-chief at the time. Like she had to pick me up from the mall cause I was like pulling clothes. And then like Lamont, he was the art director at one time and he's doing great things right now. But 
he, he like came with me. And so it's just like the camaraderie that we built, like while we were on staff together. And then even like the staff shoots were so much fun. Like I really just learned like how essential it is to work as a team well together. And I took that with me along my journey in New York to like understand that even if you're like a low level staffer, you're still a part of a team and you still have to like bring a good attitude to the table and you still have to like work your hardest, like no matter how much you're being paid. And I really learned that like while I was at Journey and also while I was contributing to the FAMU and just like really having that work ethic. And I've definitely carried that with me to New York. Mm -hmm. That was actually a conversation I was having earlier, just the camaraderie between like, especially at FAMU's J school, between students and how well they work together. Do you feel like it got easier once you left or did you feel like it was harder, like having that camaraderie and working together? Um, I would say kind of 50-50 because I think for me, like just so, so people understand like how I kind of got my start as well. Like FAMU helped me, FAMU opened doors for me. Like I literally, 2015, I moved home a month after graduation and I wasn't sure like what was next because I spent a lot of time kind of preparing to move probably to New York, but I hadn't secured anything. And so because I went to FAMU, I reached out to a friend of a friend and told her like, hey, like I'm kind of struggling right now with figuring out like what's next. And she happened to be really close with Jamila Lemieux, who used to be senior editor at Ebony. And so she sent her my resume and then I, she was just like, yeah, like you can intern for me. So it's just, I think that people sometimes don't get that just because you go to an HBCU, like you literally have contacts that exist mm -hmm. before you even graduate, but you just have to take it upon yourself to use those contacts. And it may just be a friend, but they could be friends with like an editor or like an editor in chief of a publication. So that's, that's the way I'll say that it's easy, like in order to like kind of move and like figure things out. Um, and I also had family in New York, so that made it a hundred times easier. My mom and dad are originally from New York. So the hard part I would say is it can be very isolating when you move to like a major city like New York City um, because you're, yes, you have like your network of people, but you are just new to a city. So it was definitely difficult for me to get adjusted to how cliquish the media community can be. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was definitely difficult in the beginning stages. Like I would go to a lot of networking events and I felt like very strange and like very awkward, but I just tried to push through those feelings. Um, and it's, I definitely think the easier part was just like, if you're yourself and you're not pretending to be someone that you're not, like people gravitate towards genuine people mm -hmm. and people who like really are about their stuff they're going to understand like with your work ethic they're going to pass opportunities to you and so i think that that's one thing i love about black people in media and hbcu hbcu alum in media is we really help each other a lot mm -hmm. and i definitely think um even people from the south like we all gravitate towards each other like a few of my close friends that i met since i've been in new york a lot of us are from the south and we just kind of gravitate towards each other so yeah i'd say it's 50 50 like some things are easy, some things are hard, but you know, like at the end of the day, you just have, I mean, for me, I had tunnel vision. And so each role I had, I was just like, okay, like 
don't have to be here forever. Mm-hmm. It's going to be over eventually, but I just have to work as hard as I can, like while I'm there. So that you mentioned the tunnel vision. So could you, have you always just kind of been focused, especially like leaving, well, going through college and then getting out. So what, what did you do during college to make sure you were going to leave college and then eventually get to where you want it to be? Mm, that's a great question. So while I was in school, um, I definitely kept myself super busy. Um, my friend, Itopia, she actually was president of the her campus chapter. And so I was the vice president for a little bit. Um, and so I would help with her meetings, and like events and all different types of things. But then I also would write um, and so that was like a long side journey and the Femuin. Um, and then I also was a mentor in Big Sister, Little Sister Mentoring Organization. Um, I was pretty active in the NAACP chapter as well. Um, trying to think, am I missing anything else? And I also created the Tom's FAMU Club. Not sure if that still exists, but I also created that organization. So I think I was just like very aggressive just in terms of not even to like have things on my resume, but I just was a very passionate person. And so I was even like that, like when I was in high school, like I ran track. So that I think anyone that has like a sports background, especially women, like we're just very competitive people. We like to stay busy. We're leaders. And so I just kind of continued that on like while I was at FAMU. Um, and then Rent the Runway also had an internship program. And so I was one of their interns for, I, I think it was, I want to say maybe like four semesters while I was in school. Um, and then I also was a closet intern at Marie Claire during a Christmas break. And so that kind of was a, a glimpse into like what it would be like to be at a fashion magazine. Um, so that was very motivating seeing that and then just understanding like if I worked hard enough after I left school, I would be able to kind of chase that as a career too, because initially I had aspirations of being a fashion editor. Mm -hmm. And so I just kind of, what I did was I combined like all of my interests. And then by the time that I was ready to graduate, I like understood that what I wanted to do was be a fashion editor, but I also knew that I had the skill set to also be a culture writer, but I didn't 100% know like how to do both at the same time. So I just kind of took whatever opportunities that I could kind of get from my network. And I think it definitely has paid off. Like, I honestly can't believe that I'm, I'm literally like five years in at this point. But yeah. How did you go about getting the opportunity with Marie Claire? Was it like something you kind of just reached out about? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that was um, ed2010.com was like really... They were great. Like they would always be posting opportunities. I think there's a paywall now to access some of that. But back when I was um, in school and when I was looking for internships, like they were always um, just like tweeting different opportunities and like always sharing like things that were paid and unpaid for people that were freelancers or people that were looking for internships. So I, yeah, I just found that. And then I found the contact from the listing and then I literally emailed him. Um, and yeah, it was it was a crazy internship, but it was, it was really cool. I enjoyed it. I was in the closet um, for like the month of December, like while I went home with my family in Long Island. That was awesome. And so right after college, you said your first job was with Ebony? Mm-hmm. Internship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so what was that like working for them? Obviously, like that is one of like the staple like black publications for many families. 
Yeah, um, Ebony would love to talk about that. That was a really cool experience. Um, and I loved it mainly because it was women leadership. Like at the time, like Kieran Ameo, who is like one of the dopest writers and just like personalities like in the media space right now. And I feel like that's going to be indefinitely. She is just so inspiring. So I saw her like as an editor in chief. Um, and I saw her just killing it that whole summer. Um, and then Jamila was her senior editor, and she is phenomenal in terms of what she's done, and Kierna as well, just like in terms of Black feminism and online and what that means for just millennials. It's, it's tremendous. And so I saw them working a lot, and I literally would, was transcribing, um, and that was 2015 so like the Ferguson uprising was like a really big thing and so I just remember working on stuff in regards to Ferguson um also working on stuff for the magazine working on stuff for dot com um I actually was able to write a couple of clips like while I was there that summer and it I definitely left with a feeling of gratitude and like really loving that that was kind of my introduction to the media space and it was a really it was a really fun time. It was a really cool time. And I'm still cool with a bunch of those folks like that were there. They're no longer at that publication, but I still keep up with them and like what they have going on. Yeah. And so how did you kind of venture out after that internship to apply to other jobs? And what was mm -hmm. the process like? Even just like, I know obviously the big thing for many college students is like, you know, building that cover letter and that resume. Yeah. So how did you kind of go about that process? Um, so it's it's kind of funny looking back, but I literally was very obsessed. And, you know, I'm not mad that I was obsessed, but I think, like, looking back, I could have been a little less obsessed because, like, I was applying for so many jobs, like, before I even graduated. So, like, I continued being that person that was, like, aggressively, like, applying for things, like, even while I was interning. So cover letter was definitely still a thing um I just always would change my resume with each job that I would apply for and you know it definitely was discouraging like I literally hated applying for jobs wasn't loving that experience of like interviewing like I remember interviewing at BuzzFeed and interviewing at like Condé Nast for different publications and refinery 29 and I would never kind of make it past like the second or third interview and then going forward like I would get to the point of like doing an edit test which is really necessary for like editor roles and even editorial assistant roles and for whatever reason it just wasn't really generating like any full-time jobs and so it wasn't until 2017 which is like two years later um, that I actually got a full-time job in journalism which was at Hypebeast. And so it was it was just like a mix of me freelancing as a writer for publications like Teen Vogue, Revolt, Nylon. Um, and then I also was interning at The Cut at one point. Um, I was there for about six months and I loved that internship. Um, Lindsay Peoples actually hired me as an intern, which was, that was just great because she was there and she was killing it. Um, and I really look up to her as well. So, you know, like, combination of freelancing and like I assisted a couple stylists um, and I was really just trying to keep myself busy 
Mm-hmm. Um, I even took a job at Ann Taylor. I was there in Long Island for like over a year, just trying to make money because I like couldn't really afford the commute sometimes. And so that's another thing. Like I try to tell people, like I haven't lived like in Brooklyn or like in Manhattan this entire time. Like I literally was with family. And it's it's definitely a part of my journey. And I try to be honest about that because it was definitely hard. Um, some people don't have that experience. Some people are able to afford um, living in Manhattan or living in Brooklyn. And so um, my commute like really cut into a lot of my time um, because I was in Hempstead. So my commute was like, I took the Long Island Railroad. It was a little bit over an hour to get into the city. Oh, wow. But if I did not take the Long Island Railroad, which was my way of commuting for a very long time, it could take me two hours to get to my internship or to wherever I was trying to go. So it was definitely a trying time. Um, and not even to say that all my problems with commuting were solved, like once I got my full-time job, because unfortunately some publications don't pay well. So like I literally moved to Brooklyn at the top of 2020 because that was when I could afford to actually like live on my own. So, you know, like sometimes that's not really what people are willing to talk about, but I am, I live in the spirit of transparency and, you know, it's, it's definitely been a journey, like (laughs) commuting and just like figuring out like what I can afford, what I can't afford. And, and like with how much, with how much some of the publications are willing to pay us. Yeah. I think that's also like a huge thing that a lot of maybe college students don't think about. And that's something like now I'm looking, I'm like, oh, wow, like this is starting pay and this is how much it costs to live in New York City. Like, can I afford that? Yeah. So they're not like, we're not really preparing for that moment. But Mm -hmm. also, how did you maybe, like, what did, how did you just continue to push forward and like persevere, like during those moments where you were like trying to figure everything out? I feel like, especially right now for many college students that are just graduated, they're in a similar situation where they're trying to figure out what they can do. For a lot Mm -hmm. of my friends, they're, confused about what steps to take or how to even just like like feel like keep to keep going so Uh, what do you like kind of tell them honestly I really would tell people y'all need to be praying like literally every day (laughs) because there were so many times where I literally wanted to get on a flight and come back to Florida and just give up because it got so discouraging so many times like going into these interviews and like feeling like I did well and then doing the edit test and then it's just like oh you're not the right fit and it's just like but I was just interviewed by like three people and then I did the edit test it's just like honestly I literally can only say that God is the reason that I like kept going because I legitimately was burnt out so many times I was drained so many times and what I would do like when I would ever ever get those feelings is I would literally just pivot and be like okay like if I'm burnt out after being here for like six months or whatever like I need to figure out why and I need to pivot to something else because I'm not going to be content with just getting a job for the sake of getting a job and so I really just learned that whenever I really kind of would get down about things like I would pray but then I would also like put some faith and some action behind that prayer and just like pivot to something else or reach out to a contact that I maybe like was scared to reach out to. And I, what I've learned is like, if we're scared to do something 
or we're feeling like not encouraged to do something, that might be what you need to really do. Yeah. Like I've learned that along my journey. Like if God places someone in your life, like it's, he doesn't just place people in our life to just follow them on Instagram and then they follow you back instantly. Like, no, there's a reason that that person did that. Like they want to be a resource to you or they're waiting for you to reach out to them. Or maybe you didn't follow up with them after you met them. And so that's their way of kind of trying to get you to reconnect. And so I've really had to learn to understand that and to understand that God doesn't make any mistakes. And like, even if we don't get whatever that dream job is or like that dream internship, like that's God telling us that wasn't for you. And like, I've really had to tell myself that so many times, like I've gotten so discouraged. And like I said, I've wanted to like book like a one-way flight to Florida so many times, but I literally would say that to my family sometimes, and they'd just be like, girl, what are you about to do in Florida? So you need to relax. <laughs> and I would just also credit just like staying encouraged to like my grandparents who I lived with. Um, they're amazing. Um, my grandfather is a pastor. My grandmother is a first lady, and they're phenomenal people, and they really spoke so much life into me like while I lived with them for basically almost five years and I wouldn't have been able to do it without them and that's that's another important thing like even for people who are like looking for like roles and just like jobs and stuff like that like you need to really have a strong support system um because that's essential because when you literally are like going to internships and like going to these interviews like you're gonna come home feeling so uninspired sometimes and come home feeling like beaten down and it's just like if you don't have friends and family that are going to support you like along that journey, because journalism is a really tough skin industry, like you really have to have like a strong support system. And I wouldn't re recommend it for people who don't have that. Yeah. Because you're going to like come home some days and just be questioning like why you're even doing this. And I've definitely had that feeling so many times, <laughs> but I just, tell myself to just keep going because this is what I was born to do and I'm passionate about it. So exactly. I hope I heard that question. <laughs> Most definitely did. I think that's an important thing to know. It's just, you know, you got to have faith and know that what's for you will be for you. hundred percent. That's something I think even myself, I'm learning that I didn't get that because it wasn't for me. And the next thing that will be for me will be for me because I'll get it. And exactly. obviously now you're working for OK Player. So how did you kind of apply for that? And what was the process of, you know, getting to that place? Um, yeah, I literally saw the opening um, and I reached out to a contact. Um, and then the process was pretty standard. Like I had interviews. Um, and then it's interesting to me because I... Honestly, it was very full circle for me in a way um, to be at a publication that like covers strictly just black content because I started off at Ebony. Yeah. So it's just like funny to me that like I'm back here doing that again and I love it. Um, the team is extremely competent. They're great folks. And you know, like I'm just glad that I kind of found my way back to this type of media um, because I definitely think that it's something that you can tell just like through my writing that I'm like really passionate about it and I'm like I love the content that we create um and I 
appreciate that I work somewhere that's known and respected for being like a definitive voice, not just for music journalism, but also culture. Um, and that's something that's really important to me, especially as I get older, mm -hmm. uh, to be working for a publication that is very respected and regarded. And um, so, yeah, like pretty seamless um, interview process went well. Um, and yeah, like that's just the importance, again, of just using the context that you have um, and not being afraid to reach out to people. Yeah. And so what has it been like writing? I know constantly articles, like, do you get to have your like own pitches or what is that process like? Oh, so happy to answer that. Um, so it's kind of a combination of both. So it on a day to day, like if I see something that I feel like is like a story, um, an example I'll give you is my piece on the Russell Simmons Breakfast Club interview. And like, I believe my headline for that was Russell Simmons Breakfast Club appearance was a disaster, I think I want to say. So, and I use that as an example because I work with my managing editor every day on some of the content that I'm working on, whether it be news or whether it be like features or different things. And so with that piece, we were kind of going back and forth, like trying to figure out what that story was. Like, was the story going to be just like a news piece on Russell or was it gonna be like why the interview was kind of ridiculous? And so what that looks like is literally just like a Slack conversation of like, okay, this is what I think the angle is and this is what I'm gonna do. And my editor just kind of basically tells me like if he agrees with that or not. And then if he doesn't agree with it and I like feel firmly about like addressing certain things, like I just have to take it upon myself to just like express like this is why I want this, the angle to be this. And this is why I think it's worth it. Um, whereas with like news pieces, those are pretty standard. Um, and so with news pieces, we are just basically covering like what's going on like with the Kanye stuff that's happening um as of recently new updates related to his campaign or something that I've been working on recently and so I'll wake up and just see like what the latest stuff is in regards to his campaign or in regards to Joe Biden's campaign whatever way that we can spin things to be appealing to our audience like that's what sometimes the angles are for some of these things um and yeah that's just kind of how it is like but my beat is particularly fashion culture and also women in hip-hop and women in r&b and so that's like a lot of the content that i've brought mm -hmm. to open player in terms of like the coverage that i provide for them because those are things that i love yeah and what has been the journey of like writing i feel like for me i'm always like feeling like I need to work more on my writing. I need to always get better at my writing. So over the years, you know, being a writer, how have you felt like since obviously college, leaving FAMU, your writing has progressed and what like have you learned as a writer? I love that question so much. Um, you know, I was texting a friend not too long ago, like a few weeks ago about this, about like writing and how we progress like as get older like you're supposed to get better yeah. um and I think for me I read a lot like a lot and I always have and so 
I like my friend when we were texting about this he was saying that one of his editors told him like that the best way to be a great writer is to be a great reader and I firmly agree with that and so I think for me what I try to do is I don't put any pressure on myself to read a lot it's just something that I feel like if you are a reader a voracious reader be that person like don't put pressure on yourself to feel like you have to keep up with every single thing that's going on like if that's not your thing and so for me I've just learned that I like to keep up with certain writers that are kind of in my space whether that be culture whether that be women in hip-hop whether that be fashion like I try to keep up with the people that I really enjoy but then I also since and I'll say mainly at the top of 2020 and like since I started my new job like I've really think that I my writing has improved a lot since I switched over publications because I think it's more me and it's more like authentic to like my interests and like what I enjoy writing about um and then even with my last job I did a lot of entertainment content for them um and so what I've tried to understand is I can still keep the content that I was doing entertainment wise for the last publication that I worked for but it's also okay to not write for that audience anymore and so like that's one thing that I've learned like with each publication like there's a specific audience that you're writing for and so you just have to learn to kind of make that voice be true to you um and I think at the beginning of 2020 and like since I started my new job like I've just learned so much about like what I'm capable of. And because unfortunately I didn't really feel challenged a lot at my last job. And so with this new role, I definitely feel challenged. Um, and I, I think also another thing that's important for young journalists to understand is there's so many times where your writing is only as good as the people that are editing it. Mm -hmm. And, some people are afraid of that because they think that their voice is going to be taken out of that content. But if you have a phenomenal editor that really knows what they're doing and has been around for a while, they're going to take your writing to a new level. And I really think that with my current job right now, like that's what I've experienced is I'm really working with um, my managing editor is great. And I love being edited by him because I know that he's going to keep it real with me and he's going to push me to like go like harder than I felt like I was even I was capable of and also don't be afraid of working with editors that have heavy editing hands because sometimes that's going to be the best content that you'll create yeah if they know what they're doing <laughs> and what has the process been like for also just interviewing um, other artists like I know recently on okay players Instagram you were interviewing um, I cannot recall her name at the moment but an artist I listened to so what is that process like of having to do you know live interviews as of late oh on Instagram yes <laughs> oh my goodness girl <laughs> so the process of that pivot to Instagram live has been very hilarious to me personally <laughs> because we didn't see this coming I feel like <laughs> Like, a lot of publications have slowed down a lot in terms of that, but, so what that looks like, and I think also it's great for young journalists to understand, too, is that you're going to be doing a lot of work with publicists, and I think that 
um, that's one thing that I think some people are not necessarily prepared for. Like there's a lot of relationship management that comes with being a great journalist. And I bring up relationship management because contacts that I had at my last job, I still have them. And so like what happens is people will reach out to you and like pitch their artists. And so that's kind of how the booking for the IG live stuff was going is like people would reach out to me or I would reach out to them and be like, Hey, like, do you want to schedule your artist for this slot on this day? And they'll either say yes or no. And, um, some of the really cool opportunities, like the brandy thing that was super last minute. Um, but that was awesome. So literally John say Austin, also was super last minute and so we literally get asked sometimes that are very random um and it's just like we gotta just do what we gotta do so like our social media director she'll like set up a call um i'll prepare my talking points um and then we just do what i do (laughs) it's a lot of fun like i will say it's a lot of fun like i've had i did one with kirby Yes, um, that's who I was thinking. And she was so funny. And it honestly, it's so great that I was able to meet like some of the people that I did do Instagram lives with, like whether that was before quarantine or like a couple years ago, because you can really feed off of that energy because you like know what kind of person they are. So like with the Kirby thing, I actually met her before quarantine and like we were randomly talking about like dating and relationships. And so like that's how I got she like wrote on um one of my pictures from I think when I did the Carrie Fall interview and she was just like oh my gosh like we should do one of these about love and relationships and so we did and it was so much fun and so I think that that's that's the fun part for me is like when yes it's an interview but it also can be something fun like it doesn't have to be like oh like this is just like a press opportunity like no like sometimes like people just want to have fun with it Sometimes people want to perform. Like I did an L Varner. I interviewed her before she did a performance. And, you know, so that's the way of just, it's, yes, it's like a journalism opportunity, but it's also like fun for the artist to like do a set also like outside of just being interviewed and they're being asked questions that they've already kind of been asked before. Mm-hmm. And how do you kind of come up with fresh questions to maybe ask celebrities? I feel like that's probably the biggest thing with interviewing people that are like public figures like you don't want to ask them something they've been asked a million times um I mean I think for me what I try to do I try to if I have enough time before um interviews for like features or even for the IG live stuff like I try to do a little bit of research and like see like some of their most recent interviews Mm -hmm. um and I also will listen to like their music um, and I'll go way back to like the very beginning and I think for me what that does is it kind of if I'm like super familiar with that artist like it kind of brings back like that muscle memory of like what I really loved about that artist um, and an example of that would be like the Carrie Foe interview because I've been listening to her for a really long time um, and so I just tried to kind of ask her questions that I felt like as a fan like what do I want to know about her? Like, I want to know, like, why she took a break. I want to know how it is as she's in quarantine with her family in Arkansas. Like, I want to know kind of personal things, but also, like, I want to leave the floor open for her to just kind of explore, like, whatever she wants to talk about. And so, like, um, even with talking points, like, sometimes I don't even 
use the talking points. Like if, if the conversation is going a certain way, like I learn now that I don't have to like stick to like the questions or talking points that I had. Um, and also it's okay to ask things that they've already been asked before, but um, you just have to kind of make that question your own. Most definitely. And so what are you excited to, obviously, quarantine and COVID-19 is changing everything, but mm-hmm. is there anything you're kind of excited to maybe be able to do in the next couple of months or even when we have some semi-normalcy back? Honestly, I think I'm ready to leave Florida. Like, I'm actually kind of ready to go back to Brooklyn, um, to my apartment. Um... I kind of, I think I'm going to try to go to the Hamptons with my friends when I go back. Um, Yeah, like, I'm looking forward to little things like that. But also, like, during the summer, um, my birthday passed. And so, like, that was a really, that was a thing that I was looking forward to celebrating here with my family and friends. Um, And then my little sister's birthday just passed. So I was glad to be able to be here to celebrate it with her. Um, And, yeah, like, I'm just looking forward to whatever is next, like whatever God wants to place in our lives. <laughs> there's been so much crazy things that have happened in 2020. So I definitely think I am an optimist. So I'm hoping that we do have things that we can look forward to. Like I'm hoping that some of my favorite artists decide to like release albums. <laughs> this <Yes. year. laughs> like I've been hearing a few things. So I'm just like, okay, we're going to wait on it. Like, you know, Summer Walker released her little EP, but I'm just like, what's next? <laughs> like, what's next? Um, but yeah, like, I'm always looking forward to new music, always looking forward to just like whatever fashion thing is next. And, you know, like whatever trends are happening, Black designers are always in style no matter like what time of year it is. You know, I'm always looking forward to seeing like what our culture is creating, whether that be music, fashion whatever. And I also want to talk about maybe utilizing social media. I feel like that's something we get like told not to do as a college journalist. And so I would love to know like your perspective on just like, you know, being on social media and like not, I I guess for me, it's personally like not having to disassociate um, like me as a person for me as a journalist. I feel like that's what we get told. I was like, you shouldn't have like, you shouldn't like talk about this talk about that on social media and I feel like like how should we navigate that especially right now because I was like I want to tweet about the city girls but are people gonna judge me because I'm tweeting about it like that whole thing so what would be like your advice on maybe like being on social media as like a young journalist oh my gosh can't believe I'm being asked this I'm just kidding I think that was a great (laughs) question because you know I definitely have professors that were telling us at fam like you guys don't need to um basically like brand yourselves on social media but that was a lie because there's people that are um multimedia journalists you know like um faces of different platforms that have very robust social followings whether that be on twitter or whether that be on instagram and they're completely themselves like on social media Um, And I think that that's great because, you know, like you're really selling yourself, unfortunately, right now on social media. And so I think for me, the way to navigate that has always been 
tweet whatever you want to tweet. Like, if you're, if you're going to be ridiculous, like, if that's something that you're going to do in real life, like, when you're talking to people, like, just do it because it's social media, so have fun. But also, like, be aware that, like, your next job or, like, editors that are interested in hiring you, like, they may see these things. And that's just kind of my way of navigating it. And, you know, like, I think I've always been, like, kind of outspoken on Twitter and also, like, on Instagram. And so I just know, like, for me, it's worked. And I think, like, yeah, sometimes your friends might be like, girl, like, what are you doing? (laughs) But it's just, like, at the end of the day, like, if that's your authentic personality, like, just keep doing it and just have fun with it. And, you know, like, there's this whole space of influencers right now that are thriving. And it's just, like, you know, if that's something that you want to explore too, like, do it. And, like, don't be afraid to just, like, not be your authentic self. And I would just say, like, also, like, with the because I have a fashion background as well, like, for me, that really helps me a little bit, I think, like, in terms of what I'm doing right now, because I think I've learned, like, aesthetically, like, what I love, like, on social media, and so what I've tried to do, like, as a journalist and, like, a person, like, in the culture is, you know, like, just give people like what they want to see like on the social media so it's just like I know that the people who follow me on Instagram they love seeing my outfits so it's just like you know like I'm not buying the clothes because I want to just like post it up on Instagram or post it on Twitter but my thing is if you know that your audience enjoys seeing that and you enjoy it too like there's no problem with like trying to explore that and trying to like understand like what those statistics are behind that like on your page and I've I think I think for me I used to have a blog too while I was at FAMU um, and while I was, yeah, in high school too. And so I've just like learned that realm a little bit. And so like, I kind of just do that on Instagram a little bit, like with my outfits. And I think it's worked for me. And even just like on Twitter, like sometimes I'll post my outfits, sometimes I won't. And you know, like there's nothing, like for me, I kind of don't do it like a lot, a lot, because I think just like as a woman, like I don't want people to just kind of assume like, oh, like she's she's gotten to where she is because of her looks because it's like no like I've gotten to where I am because I've worked really hard so it's just like there's definitely a fine line there sometimes where like I think that some people just think some journalists are just where they are because of their followings and what they look like and I'm not even gonna knock anybody that has been like attacked or whatever for that because there's definitely some journalists like that but there's also journalists that work extremely hard that are great people to look at and they look amazing. So it's just like, just do what works for you. Like you don't have to beat your face every day and be posting like yourself every day. Like if you don't want to do that, but if you do want to do that, do it, but just know you're going to get tired. <laughs> so it's just like, especially there in quarantine, like, you know, like no one wants to do that all day, but some people do. So I would just say like, do what works for you, do what you're comfortable with. And I would just suggest, like, have fun with social media. Like, I'd be trying to have fun. Like, I post crazy memes on my Instagram. Like, I post memes that make me laugh on Twitter. Like, I post, like, crazy and fun things because I think that I am a hilarious person. And <laughs> my friends always tell me that I crack them up. And my family, too. So it's just, like, you know, just let little pieces of your personality, like, come out on social media and just have fun with it. And also don't tell all of the stories that you're working on on social media, mm-hmm. like do it offline, like do it for your internship, do it for your job. Like, don't feel like you have to like 
constantly be telling people like what you're working on and what you're doing. Like, I'm pretty sure a lot of people don't even realize how long my resume is because I literally didn't spend a lot of time just like posting all of those highlight reels like on Twitter and like on Instagram because I was like busy doing the work. Yeah. Not to knock any people that do do that, but I think for me, like I'm the kind of person, like I said earlier, because I always had tunnel vision, like I was always just like doing the work instead of just like being on social media, like posting, like being at shows and like doing all of these different things behind the scenes because I wanted to wait until I was like actually in the door instead of just like being at being at the table like as an intern like I just wasn't comfortable posting all these things if I was just if I was like a fashion assistant if I wasn't where I really wanted to be like I just wanted to wait until I literally could have like more pride in like having that title and being like at that publication and there's nothing wrong with people that post and like do all of these things on social media when they're like an assistant or an intern I just wasn't comfortable with it and so I decided that even if, especially if I wasn't happy at a publication too, like I'm not going to be out here posting <laughs> every moment if I'm like hating being there. <laughs> but you know, some people, they do it because they know the follower is going to come in. But it's just like, for me, I'm very organic. I don't really need hashtags. I don't really need like none of that. Like if you're going to follow me, I want you to follow me yeah. because you enjoy what I'm doing and you enjoy the content that I'm like sharing on social media. And that was like a really long spiel, but that's, (laughs) yeah, that's like what it sums up to. Just have fun on social media. Like, don't feel like you have to like not be fun. Like you can tweet about the city girls. Do you want to tweet about city girls? (laughs) I do whenever I'm listening to them or like when their album drops, because they're very hilarious and they're fun. So, you know, don't feel like you have to like hide those parts of yourself. Most definitely. And my last question is just everything that you've, learned so far in your career if you could maybe go back and tell your younger self just starting off um what you maybe just something you wish you would have been able to tell younger robin like what you've been through what would you like say that's so hard but i think i would tell myself to i don't know maybe enjoy the ride Like, because I definitely had a lot of fun, but I think, like, because I think I put so much pressure on myself, like, from the very beginning, I was just constantly just thinking, like, oh my gosh, I didn't get this job, so this really sucks. Like, sometimes I would stay, like, in those low moments, but I think for me, I would tell myself, like, relax, calm down. And it's gonna work out. <laughs> like I remember um Kierna when I was at Ebony before I left. I just remember her telling me to keep going and like keep pushing. And I think I like really sat on that for a very long time and even still right now. Um, because you know, like sometimes you can get really discouraged and you kind of are just like, Oh, like maybe this isn't for me, but I'm five years in and it's just like it's amazing to see the career that I built for myself and like the amazing people that I work with every day and also the amazing contacts that I still am in touch with right now. And so it's, it's just cool to see the growth and just what I've been able to accomplish. And so I would definitely tell myself to relax and enjoy the ride like while it's happening because like it's, I definitely love 
what I'm doing, but I think sometimes when we're younger, we're just like, we feel so much pressure to like have that perfect job and like that perfect role or whatever that is. But you know, sometimes that might never come. So it's just like, if you, if you're constantly telling yourself that that's what you want, it's just like, that's a lot of pressure to place on yourself. And I think for me, I have had to understand that the dream job may never come. And I think I just said that, but you are probably that dream. You're the dream. So sometimes that dream job, it's not going to happen. So you have to aspire to just be the best version of yourself. Like that's kind of what I feel like I've done is if I am that highest version of myself and I'm bringing my all to whatever role I'm at, the opportunities are going to come. So I wish that that was something that I was aware of. But I think, you know, like sometimes it's hard to really see that when you're like at the very beginning stages. Yeah. And where can everyone find you on social media? Oh, you can find me everywhere. Um, my Instagram is my first and last name, R-O-B-Y-N-M-O-W-A-T-T. And on Twitter, I am at Robin underscore Moat. Um, and then my website is RobinMoat.com. Thanks for tuning in to Black Fat Fashion. You know you can always reach out via social media or email with your questions or ideas. Make sure you give us a follow at Black Fat Fashion as well as my personal page at Ayana Ish. With love from your BFF.